everybody. This is Stuart Gandalf. Welcome back to another podcast. And as you know, we like to do these podcasts periodically when we come up with topics that are interesting and where we find guests that we think would add some new perspectives to the kinds of things that we teach every day. In this case, uh, Cheryl Janice reached out to me about her podcast, and I thought it was so interesting. Not only did we agree as a company to participate in hers, but I thought I would share her thoughts uh, with our readers. And essentially today, we're talking about interior design. And Cheryl's firm is CherylJaniceDesigns.com. But what we're going to talk about today is interior design as it relates to medical practices and hospitals. And I've always loved aesthetics. In fact, we bonded when we were talking offline. Uh, I own a vacation rental property in Palm Springs, and uh, I just loved every second of building that. It's a uh, mid-century modern house, and everything about designing it for the, the right target audience was fun. And my experience being a marketer, everything we did in terms of the design was met with a target audience in mind. And so Cheryl looks at this from the medical side with a very similar viewpoint. In other words, instead of just putting up you know, four walls and a rug and some chairs, really think through who we're trying to target, what we're trying to achieve. And so anyway, I thought she'd be a great guest. So welcome, Cheryl. Thank you, Stuart. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. Great. You're welcome. So uh, the first thing I'd like to ask you is, uh, we just talked about what's um, design in general, but what's wrong with traditional medical office design today? Well, it's very sterile, and it's um, not meeting the expectations of people who are now more savvy, patients and clients who are now more savvy and are demanding with their dollars that the spaces along with, um, you know, clinical care is, you know, five-star quality. So what's interesting and really kind of fun to look at are the boomers and the millennials because the boomers, there's lots of talk about the boomers moving into retirement now. And there's also a lot of talk about the millennials and the boomers together because they are the two largest living populations in the United States. So they're both, they've done you know, lots of research about what these, these audiences desire in their healthcare spaces, and they are very picky. So boomers, for example, want a five-star kind of a hotel quality experience and without compromising any of the staff or clinical care. And that includes, you know, feeling really comforting, comfortable and warm in the space and waiting rooms and not looking at white walls and not feeling like, you know, you're in a very sterile, cold office that has traditional kind of design. And we think of traditional design when we think of, you know, hard chairs lined up in a row, in rows, kind of like army cadets waiting, you know, to say, to salute their drill, their drill sergeants. So it's really all about the feeling of the space. So there's this new trend that's emerging out of modern health health design, and that is that people really want the the things that are in the environment to appeal to their emotions and well-being, and they want to feel good in the space. And because people are paying more out-of-pocket for medical care, this includes, you know, holistic and integrative medical care like acupuncture and uh, massage therapy, they really want to, they want the spaces to feel really nurturing. And if, they, if they're not, I'm seeing, and, you know, the, this, you know, architects and the healthcare design community is seeing that that is really, that is really what they want. If they don't get it, they're going to go see 
someone else who can give it to them, really. So it's kind of a wake-up call for healthcare entrepreneurs. Very good. You know, it's funny, a couple anecdotes on that. One is, uh, back in the day, we used to joke about, and this is when I first started doing this 20 years ago, about offices, you know, looking like Marsha Brady with orange shag carpeting and orange Naga hide and dark wood paneling. And, you know, that was a joke back then, but they still exist. There are people that haven't changed their <laughs> office so in true. 40 years. And uh, it's pretty amazing to me. I remember once I went yeah. to an allergist whose office was dusty and dirty. It's like, it's an allergist. You can't have a dusty office and be an allergist. That's right. So I think that's pretty that's funny. Right. And um, I know Kathy, our strategist, is going to talk to you about your own podcast, but some other anecdotes. But another thing that I think is important, which is a theme that we teach to a lot, is that people judge what they can't see based upon what they can. So they're making judgments about who you are, how you practice, your level of skill, your, certainly your level of being up to date based upon the setting that they're coming into. Um, so if right. your office looks completely out of date and dirty and disheveled or frantic, then that's exactly what they assume you are, correct? That's really correct. And what's interesting is a little known, or I don't know, some people know this, but I didn't know this for a long time, that within the first 15 seconds of when someone steps into a new space, a new home, you know, real estate agents know this because, you know, there's curb appeal. But also when they step into their favorite doctor's office, they within the first 15 seconds of whatever they see and how they feel forms a judgment in their brain that is hard to get rid of. So let's say someone walks into your medical space, medical office, and they walk into the waiting room, and the first thing they see are file cabinets, or maybe they're those, you know, sales rep po uh, product posters on the walls, and it just feels too clinical, then they're going to, you know, their anxiety is going to increase, and they're going to be like, ah, they're going to have that, ew, this is icky feeling before they even get to the front desk. So, yeah, yeah sure. it's important. It's yeah. funny. One of the things that we notice when we're doing on-site consultations for clients, we'll do a walkthrough, and we almost always notice the first thing we see when we go past the main door is a, um, a door to an office that nobody's using with a bunch of boxes and stuff on it, wide <laughs> open, and, you know, it's their mm, storage room common. or whatever. And it's just, mm. you know, that's not what you're trying to be a first impression. So we, you mm. also mentioned when we were talking offline about, you know, scariness and bad smells, intimidating, bad for business. Um, do you yeah. have anything you want to elaborate there? Yeah. So, you know, our, we smell, you know, more sensitive people with sensitive nervous systems, highly sensitive people have really sensitive smells. And they sort of form an impression in our brain. So even for someone who's not that sensitive, one of your patients, if you have a dental office or some type of chemicals that you use, and or even if you're a veterinarian and, you know, you, there's too much urine that hasn't, just hasn't been cleaned up enough, no matter how much you've done, it's just like in the floors, you, there's an instant turnoff to that. And that's sort of common sense. But you as the doctor or you as, the, as one of the staff people, you know, work in that space every day and you're just kind of like, ah, uh, just kind of, you know it's there, but you just kind of push it away. Well, studies have been done that use, um, well, back up a minute. Hospitality uses environmental aromatherapy in, their, in a lot of their hotels. That's quite common in some of the larger cities like San Francisco and New York. What that means is that there are now a couple of existing companies that will come in and they'll attach like this essential oil system to your HVAC system. So they'll give you like these very, very mild scents of lavender that, you know, essential oils that have been shown to relax people and reduce anxiety and essential oils that are a little uplifting, like the orange and lemon scents. And research has shown that in dental offices that they've shown to significantly reduce the patient anxiety. 
So smells are a big deal. I mean, there's a lot yep. you can do. Not yep. you don't have to now, just get all fancy. There's light. There's a lot of other things you can do as well. So we're talking about you mentioned earlier a number of very consumer direct kind of practices. You know, plastic mm-hmm. surgery or wellness right. or medi spas or those kinds of things. What about mm-hmm. uh, does this apply to insurance based practices too? It applies. It applies to everybody. It, it absolutely applies to everybody. I mean, even if you have an insurance based practice and you're you see, um, you know, 150 patients a day, you still want to help them as much as you can. You still want to create a good impression because you still want to, you know, build your practice. You still want to keep patients happy because the last thing you want are is staff irritable and agitated and stressed and just a bunch of really angry people who are yelling at you all the time. And that can't happen when there's a lot of chaos in an environment, in an, in an environment that's unfriendly, in an environment where there's longer wait times. So it's really, really kind of not difficult, and it really is um, so good for your business, regardless if you're cash-based or if you take insurance or if you do both, to have a waiting room that feels really inviting, really welcoming. You know, you don't have to spend millions of dollars. You don't even have to spend tens of thousands of dollars on it, you can do some really specific, poignant design fixes and that actually, you know, tap into the brain, that you know tap into the brain, like creating relaxing wall colors and comfortable furniture and a nice, really uplifting first impression and making sure that, like you were saying, you don't, if you're an allergist, you don't have a bunch of dust. So having, you know, those kind of systems in place in the environment that really, really make your patients feel welcome regardless of if they're you're they're, you know, paying you through insurance or not. Very good. What are some uh one of the things we had talked about is why it's important or some additional benefits to creating a welcoming and friendly office. Like some of the reasons why well, we'll get into some ideas sure. of how to do that in a minute, yeah. but for just yeah. we have to hook our audience to make sure they understand why they would even care anymore <laughs> to know more. Well, there's a couple of reasons. There's one, it, it's it's very healthy. You know, it's like you have a better time at work. Your mood is lifted. You, your mood is uplifted. You feel better. You're not agitated. Your staff isn't agitated and your patients aren't agitated. Um, there's also those, you know, medicinal qualities of having a really uh, patient-centered healing uh, waiting room in that your patients feel more relaxed. Um, anxiety is reduced, especially when they're coming in for things like the dentist. It's very scary. Or just talking to to you as their as their primary care doctor about really sensitive issues. So it's it's important that you care about their well being. That's why you got into this work in the first place. That's the first and foremost reason. That's your mission. And the second reason, which I've seen over the years, I've been doing this work almost 15 years, is that when you attend to your environment in the way that we're discussing, you start to I, I you start to see patient retention rates increase. So I've seen. I have seen and followed and done my own case studies in which when the environment has been improved in the way that we're talking about, patients start to become super fans. They start to want to come back more. Um, Retention rates go up. Um, Referral business starts to grow because you know how it is. Everything is word of mouth. And so a lot of times, you know, you'll put up a sign in the waiting room and say, the best compliment you can give us is a referral to your friends. And it's kind of like... When you have a beautiful waiting room, when you have a beautiful environment that feels incredibly nurturing, you don't have to do any of that. You don't have to ask even. Your waiting room sells itself. Your waiting room sells you and your services. It's like your partner. And it's especially important if you're an introvert and you're not into marketing yourself or you just 
don't really know how or don't really like it. And, you know, your waiting room then is your, and your patients become your best marketing asset because they, they start to refer you out. So this, these are the statistics that I've seen. After the first right. six months of establishing, you know, a new design, I've seen um, an average of between 35 and 40% increase in referral business, as much as, you know, 85%, sometimes 300% when it's so drastic, when it's such a huge change. Sometimes, too, just the littlest change, just changing a light fixture, you create a different mood, and suddenly your patients are like, hmm, I, I really like it in here. I don't know why. Something's changed. And they end up sharing that information, which is how I've been able to gather the evidence and see this. So retention rates go up. There's more trust. Trust is built. So everything these days, you know, Stuart, is about building relationships in healthcare practices. Like, you're, it's like there's this, there's this total throwback to the olden days where, you know, you're, you know your patients and you care about them. And, you know, some doctors do house calls. There's a, a rise of concierge medicine physicians in the United States and it's growing. And so there's this really, this this big desire to have like personal care. To, and you develop that and you develop kind of these super fans by, you know, building these relationships with people. And part of that, a big part of that, a foundation of that is your space. If you have a crappy space, Unless you're a super, super specialist and you're the only doctor basically on the planet or maybe there's just a handful of you where, you know, you're the only person who can do this, then, of course, you can, you know, people will come see you no matter what. But if, you know, there's a lot of you out there and there's generally a lot of you out there, you want to set yourself apart. You want to be memorable. You want to build relationships. You want to become friendly with your patients so that they know you and they remember you and they share you to their friends because referrals, referrals is, ever, is so much of our practice. So this is, an, this is such a great and easy way to do this. So you, you shared with me a term that I hadn't heard before, evidence-based design, which of course, yeah. evidence-based, anything appeals to us in healthcare. What is evidence-based design? Yeah. Evidence-based design is a process of basing decisions about the built environment on credible research. So what that means, and, and there's a big organization here on the West Coast in Concord, California, in the Bay Area, called the Center for Health Design that is totally devoted to and dedicated to this mission of, of evidence-based design. And that's where the term has originated from. So, for example, there's lots of evidence. There's tons of science evidence that shows that things in the environment reduce pain and suffering for patients. So one of the early, one of the, well, one of the biggest ones, was done by um, an environmental psychologist named Roger Ulrich. And so he was super interested in this topic. And in the, I think it was 1981, the Science Journal um, published a study that he had done. So he, you know, used really strict guidelines for taking, doing this research. And he, he followed, I think it was 10, uh, 10 or 15 gallbladder patients who went in the hospital. And they each had the same, exact same treatment by the same doctor, same nurses, same everything. The only difference between their treatments was one one of the groups had views of the window of the hospital room into of a tree or some type of nature setting, and the other ones had a view of a brick wall. And what they discovered is that the ones who had, the group that had a view of the nature, some type of nature setting, a tree or something, got out of the hospital a couple days sooner, 
they recovered sooner, they had there was less reliance on pain medications and it was a big huge deal. So they've discovered too to you know move that even further, they've discovered that hanging nature prints, specific type of nature prints through a field called evidence based art, which is similar to evidence based design, that by hanging nature photography in, you know, kind of medium to large that's very immersive, you know what I'm talking about, not the kind you buy at IKEA or kind of flat surfaces at Kmart or Walmart, you know, some of the more really rich, detailed images of beautiful places around the world. And, you know, the mountains, a view of light coming streaming through a forest with a bench on it. When those are also hung in hospital rooms, there's that same that same result. There's, you know, a reduction less of reduction on uh, reliance on pain medications. Patients heal faster. There's, it's because, you know, they've done all this. Uh, Dr. Esther Sternberg, you know, she wrote a book called Healing Spaces, The Science of Place and Wellbeing, and she's just the guru of all this stuff. And she, she really studies the brain and how it affects the immune system in the space. So they have studied that when people look at these beautiful immersive images of fill in the blank, your, your, the most beautiful place you can imagine, are just beautiful, serene places in nature, that the, the, those feel-good centers in the brain are activated. You know, the dopamine gets activated. You feel just calm and serene like you would when you're on vacation in your most favorite, you know, place. So there's a lot of truth to this. I'm a, I'm a big believer because I've seen it happen in action. I've recommended these types of prints over the years to my clients who are doctors and, you know, specialists and dentists and wellness spas and acupuncturists and holistic practitioners and, you know, chiropractors, et cetera. And they have come back to me over and over again, overwhelmingly with positive news that patients are either leaving them notes, they're sharing with them how much they love the space, you know, I've heard stories from, you know, the industry that, you know, people who are getting cancer treatments, chemotherapy, and they have a beautiful, you know, print of an oak tree. There was this one story of a woman who, every she was an older woman, and she got chemotherapy every day, and she came to the center, and she sat waiting for her chemotherapy appointment, looking at this beautiful oak tree, and the light shone, shone through. And when she was done, she wrote a letter to her to the nurse, who and she was just expressing her gratitude of how it was it was like her meditation it was a way that she was able to find god and find solace and so there's a lot of research out there that suggests and really proves and points to that not just uh, nature photography but plants and all kinds of stuff um relaxing wall colors and you know reducing sounds and uh, you know the way that people are seated and first impressions and all kinds of things that they really create an environment that is so helpful that everyone loves and is so helpful. And what's interesting is they've done research on with hospitals and they've found that hospitals who participate in this recoup all their expenses within the first year. So it's, you know, there's those objections of cost and I've seen that you're, and this is what I teach. This is what I do. I teach, you know, healthcare entrepreneurs how to do it on their own through online workshops and books that I've written because you can do it on your own. It doesn't have to be, you can just skip over that. It's too expensive, you know, excuse. It can be expensive if you hire somebody to do it. And it also, you also can do it on your own in a way that is 
sustainable and affordable and will have huge ROI. So great, excellent. So there. The uh, <laughs> you know it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I I did a uh, our favorite Chinese place. I don't know if it's my favorite. It's the one that's close by. Uh, was just purchased by somebody and they changed the lighting. Um, and a couple mm-hmm. other things, and it feels like a completely different space. It's amazing. And it's already busier. Uh, yeah, they they changed their menu too, okay. so I can't attribute uh, it's 100% uh-huh. based upon the lighting and the fixtures. But they didn't change that much, mm-hmm. but I'm big mm-hmm. on light. I notice light colors. And um, mm-hmm. they changed the lighting. They made it softer, which typically I don't like, but in this case it worked. And because um, I like very sort of modern and sleek, and it's not that, but they did mm-hmm. a good job, and it was and it was very comfortable, and they're they're busy. So it's just funny, even in a small way like that. What about, you know, when we're talking about doctors and hospitals, you'd mentioned budget earlier. Um, Some of the things we talked about offline was plants. Do do you ever get into situations Mm -hmm. where people are worried about, well, we have hard furniture for a reason. It's sterile. And we have this and that for a reason. Is there, are there compromises? Mm -hmm. Can there still ways to work, even if they have areas where they need things to be very clean and tidy? Because it is, after all, healthcare. Oh, my God, Stuart, you're going to be so excited when I tell you this. So technology, got to love technology. So there's been so many advancements in healthcare design and materials, and there are now materials that exist so that, so that you can sterilize them in the, you know, every day with the hardship chemicals and cleaners. There are actual materials that feel soft to the touch that you can do this on. So, and, and not just a few, but a lot, you know, and they all can be cleaned. So there's so much more of a choice. There's so much more cho- there's so many more options. There's so many more design and material options for doctors and hospitals now. And that's why you see hospitals getting on board with this more. And that's why you're able to go into hospitals and see, you know, beautiful atriums and super comfortable furniture that you're like, wow, I would have this in my home. And actually they're, you know, they're commercial furniture that can be, you know, sterilized daily with uh, with the harshest of chemicals. And that's the same way because in hospitals, you know, not so much in a lot of these private healthcare practices, but in hospitals, everything has to be sterilized in, in, in all the rooms every day. So, for example, with, um, with this healing art that I'm talking about, the people, that, the artists that I work with that specialize in this, they, they offer the prints on these aluminum metal backs. And so there's no frame around the print. The print is just infused onto this metal aluminum backing that's just hung on the walls. And you can clean these with the harshest of chemicals. That's why it's so exciting for hospitals and burn centers and, you know, places that treat uh, all kinds of ages and and people because technology. So I'm excited and you guys listening should be excited. Yeah. Yeah. So the um we talked a little bit earlier about the um actually a couple more things. One of the things was the you mentioned earlier I think about um either offline or when we were talking earlier about you know so the millennials want things that are more modern and sleek where the baby boomers want things mm-hmm. more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh do mm-hmm. is that a trend? I mean I noticed I I don't know if it's just me, but I remember back whether it's in healthcare or in hospitality everything kind of used to look the same. I mean, it really did. And I travel a lot. And then suddenly the W Hotel, for example, came out. And it just was very right. different at the time. Great example. And I, mm-hmm. Yeah, and now everything seems to be. Is that what happened? Did suddenly some, everybody wake up and appreciate design? Or people, the designers tried harder? What made this big change? I 
think it's uh it's a little complicated, but I, mainly you know there's uh the boomers started going into retirement, and they've always been a fussy bunch, and so they've been pushing hard for their healthcare facilities and hospitals to be nicer, their senior living facilities because they're going into retirement now, so a lot of these you know the w created their standard to kind of be memorable and stand out from the rest of the hotels and then healthcare architects and designers started taking their cues from the hospitality industry so a lot of that commercial furniture that i'm talking about a lot of that that beautiful soft the soft materials that come on chairs and sofas and stuff that has come out of the hospitality you know you know um production or you know environment and so it's just sort of catching on and so as they continue to interview and do research and you know boomers have a lot of money to spend there's one of the you know the two largest living populations there's they're really listening so architectural firms and healthcare interior design firms are listening and so also the government, I don't know about now with Trump, but Obama, the Obama administration was getting ready to spend billions of dollars in, in, they have to re sort of fix up and remodel hospitals because they don't think they're earthquake compliant or they're, they're so old. They came into a stage in a state where they have to go under certain reconstruction. And now with, with, you know, the green building industry and all these sort of leaders that are in kind of the design and architectural industries they're they've created more rules and regulations for rebuilding in the healthcare setting and so what's happening is that that has started in hospitals and then acute settings and then outbuildings and now it's very much so in in um private practice and so it's also been trending in like naturopathic physicians offices and acupuncturist offices because those are cash-based. And so those people really needed to kind of stand apart and say, hey, you know, they're, they're really serving their, their patients because their patients are paying them directly. They're not serving the insurance companies. And so they've created, like a big thing for naturopathic offices is creating a very large and comfortable room for IV treatments, the IV room, and I've designed several of those, and I've seen those popping up in the business models. And so there's this, um, that that's kind of how it's, you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of how why it's coming up, and it's only going to grow. And we're starting to see in some of the bigger cities retail healthcare, where uh, some of the bigger companies are in malls and stuff, they're opening retail, retail spaces, and these are kind of like direct, direct primary care facilities which offer which are reaching out more to the millennials and are offering a lower kind of like the concierge medicine physician model but a lower um, subscription every month and so some of them are even going as much as you know including nutritionists or having gyms there and so it's um it's really expanding I mean there's 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 a tremendous amount going on so if you're just if you're a dentist and you've been, you know, if you, my brother's a dentist, so, and he's been in practice for 25 years and, you know, he's had to remodel his practice. He's had to change. And when he came out of dental school 35 years ago, whatever it was, he didn't have to do any of this. You know, it was just assumed you could open a dental practice on a corner in some, you know, uh, place, some town in some city in the United States. And, you know, you'd have a built-in patient base. That's the dentist. You go to the dentist and, and that's the end of it. 
And, you know, it's not like that anymore. And that's what I hear from interviewing concierge medicine physicians who've left, you know, they've left um, uh, insurance-based medical groups because they're so overworked and they really want to treat their patients differently and build a different model. And it's what I've heard from dentists who are like, yeah, so... Okay. I hope that answers so, it. Yeah. Yeah, that was help. That was helpful. So the another, um, I guess, final question I'd like to ask you. We had talked mm-hmm. about some things that our doctors and hospitals can do on their own for their waiting rooms. Some easy design tips, mm-hmm. basically. And you had a list mm-hmm. of five. So I'd love to hear those uh, as we wrap up here. Sure. So you can. We talked about um, evidence-based art, which is just healing art that taps into those opiate-rich centers of the brain and instantly makes people feel comfortable. And cozy, and I like to advise. You know, you do like a, if you can do a three foot by four foot, a four foot by three foot, a couple of those. And uh, I have a couple of resources for you. Uh, Peter Blanchard of ManifestPhoto.com sells the most gorgeous healing art you've ever seen, and Daniel Ambrosi of um, BottledLightProductions.com. Also, those two specialize in this justice. Just healing art. Right. So if you look them up, if you Google them, you can go and look that up. And even if you just threw in a couple of those images, you're, you know, it's it's such a, it's an easy thing. You know, you can, if you don't, it, it, it varies from, you know, medium to high pricing that it has a huge return on investment. You can clean it, you know, often. And it's just so magnificent. And if you don't have um, that much of a budget, you're on like a shoestring budget, you can look online at places like unsplash.com where there's like free photography and you can you can send those to your local printer and you can DIY it yourself. So okay. that's one tip you can do. You can change your lighting. Um, changing your lighting is so so overlooked as, as, as one of the biggest design secrets to instantly changing how space feels. And I think what happens is when doctors and medical physicians and um, healthcare entrepreneurs take over a space or over a new practice or they go into a new space. They're just like, well, those fluorescent lights that are on the ceiling, they're kind of there. We're not going to change them. We've got other things to do. They don't realize how, how, frankly, how easy and affordable it is to change lighting and how it instantly creates a difference in the body. So there's lots of research on lighting. I won't get into it here too much. It's just that 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 type of cool fluorescent lighting that you typically we typically see in offices in the United States or have traditionally seen, you know, contributes to lots of healthcare pro, lots of health problems and uh, contributes to depression and sadness. So you can layer your lighting, bring in floor lighting, table light, and that creates a cozy vibe. Um, another thing that's trending and it's here to stay is the fact that, and I talked about how healthcare is taking their design inspiration from hospitality is to create and you you know we see this we've seen this a lot in hotels is how they create a living kind of a living room setting in the hotel waiting areas and medical offices are doing the same now the successful ones are doing the same so regardless of what kind of a practice you have it really doesn't matter think about creating a very home-like environment still a professional one with some commercial furniture pieces with materials that will last a long time and create it like a living room, make it look like a living room, you know, sofa, some chairs, side tables, you know, all that stuff. We, people love that. Here's kind of a, 
a thing that happens in the brain when we walk, when we humans walk into an environment that we recognize as familiar. Our cortisol, our stre- the stress hormone cortisol goes way down. We're like, oh, we're immediately, oh, this is like home. So there's that instant recognition in the brain. So living room design secret. And then, you know, create a positive first impression. As I said before, first 15 seconds, what do your patients see when they walk in? How, what does your staff see? What do, you know, is it uplifting and positive or is it, is it kind of negative? And so work on that. <laughs> And then <laughs> I have to interrupt on that because we had a fun yeah. conversation offline prior to this with, again, my without plugging my vacation rental. But the fact that when people walk in, we bought it specifically for that wow moment. And it's so much fun to hear people on the security cameras because we can't see inside, obviously. But when we hear them when they first check in, it's like, wow. And it's just it's amazing how powerful <laughs> it is. I think it matters so much. And it's hard to do that in a medical practice. But when you do, it's amazing. So that's that's fun. And what was the fifth one and again? Imagine, right. So, so before I said, imagine, imagine if you guys at home had uh, had had that wow factor that your patients were saying all the time. Think about your confidence boosting that that would do, and how much that would, and how much your staff would start to really love being there. Um, the last one, or you know, how to how to how to choose the best colors for your medical space. I always like if I have just a minute to talk about that. I always like to say to avoid the color red, red and yellow. And there are certain parts of the country that like to use those colors in office design. And they actually stimulate your nervous system. Red is, it, it increases hunger, raises your blood pressure, all kinds of things that just are the furthest thing away from calm that you can imagine. So red and yellow together is like McDonald's. It's like fast food. It gets you in, it gets you eaten, it gets you hungry, it gets you out fast, fast, fast. Right. And, you know, I think that's not the kind of thing you want to create in your in your office. So instead, think about soothing colors like blues and greens, they, those that really reduce reduce and calm the body and bring down blood pressure. And I've written a couple books on the, sub, the subject that I've talked about, so it's not like I'm purposely trying to run you through all this, but I'm just trying to give you some tips. And then if you want no, we're gonna get to the books more information, now. That's the last part. yeah. 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 So as yeah. Uh, so I jumped right into it with um, Cheryl, but as I um, will say on the podcast or on the uh, blog part, she's you know hunt, help, works with healthcare entrepreneurs, helps them develop nurturing environments, as is pretty obvious by now, to help build patient referrals to keep the business growing. And she's the principal of Cheryl Janus Designs and a wellness design studio in San Francisco in the Bay Area, and so this is obviously her area of expertise. Her two books are The Color Cure, How to Transform Your Healthcare Office, Clinic Treatment Room into a Oasis by Choosing the Perfect Paint, and then The Waiting Room Cure, The Healthcare Practitioner's Guide to Turning Waiting Rooms into Welcoming Highly Profitable Referral Magnets. Cheryl, you were great. I really appreciate it. That was terrific. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 